1: at participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers, while supplies last. Offer ends thirty one twenty.
2: Hey,
3: Collider fans, it's Josh Schnepp from the Heroes Podcast. You can support this show by taking a quick five-minute online survey to help keep this show free to download with minimal advertisements. Your responses will help connect advertisers to our audience so you can hear about products and services that matter to you. The survey is short and completely anonymous. Just visit podcastone.com slash mysurvey and fill it out. It can be completed in under five minutes. Thanks for all your continued support of Collider and all of our great podcasts here on Podcast One.
1: Napa know-how. This month, Napa's got all kinds of motor oil deals that can save you some serious cash, like a five-quart jug of Napa full synthetic motor oil for just $16.49. With savings like that, you may start feeling like a VIP, but don't let it go to your head.
3: What's up, sweaties? It's Wednesday. That's right, Wednesday. Episode two fifty-seven of Collider Heroes. I had to look at my notes because it's hard to believe that it's episode two fifty-seven. It's time travel day, son. Guess what? Look who's here. It's Amy. I almost forgot to whisper. Whatever. I don't care anymore. Guess what? I'm still whispering. (laughs) So anyway, guess what? Amy, Coy, what's going on? Doing good, man. Excited. Amazing con in two days. I know. We're all gonna be in Las Vegas. I don't think Amy's coming. I can't like it. But you know what? We're going to get some stuff for her to sign, hopefully, before that. So we'll have some cool stuff there. And definitely come to the Heroes panel. It's going to be at 6 o'clock. That Friday night, me, Coy, Marquia will be there, and a couple of spe- special guests that I can't announce just yet um, will be there to join us. And guess what? sweaty, so bring your questions and bring yourself to that panel at the Las Vegas Convention Center. We also have a Collider booth. We're going to have a lot of ton of cool stuff, and you can actually order. Check out these T-shirts right now. Look at this graphic. <laughs> Hang on, Cody. <laughs> totally. Get- Cody, wasn't- Cody wasn't ready. <laughs> Cody right wasn't above. ready for the meal there, <laughs> hey! there. Check out those beautiful t-shirts, man. You can get a movie talk t-shirt. You can get a collider t-shirt. And look at that tasty heroes t-shirt, baby. You could get that right now. Go to that website. John Rocco already ordered one. He got the bright blue one because he loves that color. But you could also get it in dark blue, too. Guess what? Get that T-shirt, baby. You know what I'm talking about. All right. Get those T-shirts. You can go to that website right now and pre-order that, son. You can get it so it gets in the mail quicker, or you can actually come and order it at our booth. We'll have it available there. We won't actually have the T-shirts available. You can just order them, but you can maybe have like Perry Nemiroff, like help you figure out your order if you don't know how to use a computer. Every iTunes listener
2: just went, what is happening? What's going
3: (laughs) on? Trying to... Hey, guess what? Let's get right into it. I know you already ordered those Collider T-shirts because you should get them... I think they're 1999 amazing deal. Get all three. Um, so check it out. Spider-Man, Far From Home. That's right. Spider-Man now has a title. It's got the word home in it. We were talking about it on Monday. Home skillet. Home slice. Homeward bound. Home sweet home. <laughs> home star home, runner. Home, home, home. I'm homesick. Home Spider-Man I'm homesick. It's another one. So there's so many different versions. And we know we know they're going to probably use that. Probably. We're not sure. In the third movie. But now we know Far From Home is that title. We've been hearing about him being overseas. We've been hearing about Mary Mary. Jane is a French foreign exchange student. We don't know what's going to happen. We, who Or Gwen Stacy. Mm. Who is it going to be? So uh, I wanted to talk about the Spider-Man universe, how it's in the Marvel MCU. And then they also have their own Sony kind of Marvel adjacent with Venom and a bunch of these other projects. Recently, they just announced that Amy Pascal, the producer of all of these Spider-Man films, is developing Silk. Now, we know that um, Silver and Black has been kind of put on hold as they kind of retool the script. Um, the director of that, who directed the very first pilot for Cloak and Dagger, which was fantastic. So I have a lot of faith in that female director. She Gina did a Prince great, Blackwood? Yes. She did a great job. So I'm looking forward to seeing whatever they come up with when they retool Silver and Black. Mm-hmm. But what do you think? I mean, we've got Venom coming out in just a few months, and that is going to be part of the Sony Spider-Verse. How is this all going to fit in with the animated world? It feels like we don't know yet until we see it. What do you think, Amy?
5: There is so much that's unknown. I, I feel like a broken record being like, I don't know how this is supposed to work. Hopefully Venom will start to answer those questions. Um, but the truth is that... Despite me being like, I'm not sure about this whole plan, they have found specific stuff that I am excited about. A silver and black movie from Gina Prince-Blythewood sounds really cool to me. A silk movie sounds really cool to me. So I am willing to sort of suspend my confusion for the sake of getting these projects going. It's just weird to have a Spider-Verse that Spider-Man's not the center of. Um, I mean, maybe I'll end up loving it. I'll have my full box set of Spider-Verse without Spider. Right. Um, I know I'm, I am I cannot wait for the animated movie. Maybe all of these can just exist alongside each other. Uh, but, yeah, it would be cool if they can draw connections. Koi,
3: if Spider-Man, i.e. Peter Parker, is peripherally involved in the Spider-Verse, like, say, two scenes in Venom, maybe one a walk-on, maybe another some kind of end- <laughs> post-credits thing. Who knows how they're going to fit it in? I specifically don't. But <laughs> what do you think? If, if Peter Parker is actually somehow involved, if they haven't actually like totally woven him in, yet we are establishing that maybe Iron Man isn't part of this universe, but Peter Parker most definitely is, how do you think that will fare for the rest of the Spider-Verse, i.e. Silver and Black, Craven the Hunter, Sinister Six, if they ever make Sinister Six, what do you think?
2: As a diehard cameo lover, I love the idea of the Spider Verse. Like I and I I might You know, eat my shoe later. But I really think that this is a really good opportunity to expand Sony's world. I have been defending Venom since it was announced. I think the idea of a Spider Man, Spider Verse without Spider Man, is hard to do, but it can be done. I really think Silk is a great opportunity. I think Spider Woman, Jessica Drew, like having a child, like if that happens, that'd be great. I think uh, uh, the the Silver and Black, the things I know about that script are so good. The villains they use that I've heard, like I I haven't read the script, but everything I know that is rumored is incredible. Incredible. And the team they assembled is incredible. All of the behind the line is great. So the script has to be good if you get Ruthie Carter to do the costumes. Like, she's not going to yeah. put her name on something. Like, Blythe is not going to just go like, sure. She has integrity to her work, and that means so much to me more than some angry keyboard cowboy yelling, you know, so I really think that we have an opportunity here to build a universe, and Sony only has Spider-Man, so start there, and I really think that Spider-Man's, like, ancillary characters and villains and all these things can build this universe, and then throw Tom Holland in as a cameo, depending on scheduling and everything else. People are going to go see these movies. I hope they're good. I hope they're not just trying to make money, but I think they're investing because of the talent they keep getting. It doesn't feel like they're just trying to sell toys. Let me
3: ask kind of an obvious question, but it kind of confuses me why there's so much resistance to the idea that Peter Parker wouldn't be in a Sony product. Do <laughs> you get me? Sony owns <laughs> Spider-Man. I don't even know how many times I have to spell this out. Sony owns Spider-Man. They loaned him out to Marvel. Sony also owns Venom, Silver and Black, all of the Spider-Man's villains. Mm-hmm. In fact, everything, including Spider-Man. Why is it so hard to think that Spider-Man wouldn't show up in a Spider-Verse movie?
5: I can actually answer the reasons that I have trouble with that concept. Uh, And that is that I know Sony owns Peter Parker, but ever since the, the deal with Marvel happened to share him, I have expected that the customary level of care and attention to detail that Marvel likes to have over their universe, like, that can be hurt. Like, if Peter Parker, okay, I'm not putting this out into the universe, but if Peter Parker's in Venom and Venom sucks, or Venom has content that's inconsistent with what they want for the Marvel universe, that blows back on Marvel. Uh, they can't rely on the average consumer knowing the difference between the universes because they're just going to see Peter Parker. Yeah. And they're going to associate those things. And uh, they've got such a good track record so far that it's why I would be surprised if, if he is fully the center of that universe and has his role in Marvel, we're going to start to see cracks in continuity. We're going to start to see cracks in the ability to coordinate the feel of the universe. Um, or... It's going to work out great, and I would love that. I would love for it to work out great, but the reason, like, maybe they find that perfect balance. Maybe Silk feels like she could show up next to Doctor Strange, and it just doesn't happen this time. Maybe they work this all out perfectly, but those are my reasons for being like, I just don't know.
3: There's, and Your reasons are all valid. I'm just sticking to, like, just a real corporate mentality that <laughs> yeah, none of us really use when we talk about this stuff, yeah. but it just hit me as like, why don't we just really take it from the corporate perspective and be like, they made a deal, mm-hmm. and, and Marvel, what they get? They got Spider-Man. And then they got to not only help shepherd the Spider-Man movie, and that Spider-Man movie got to have Iron Man in it, they also got to use Spider-Man in their Avengers movie. Mm-hmm. They got to use Spider-Man in their Captain America movie. Sony, what does Sony get? In their Spider-Verse, what do they get to use? Well, first and foremost, they get to use Spider-Man. And that's my feeling about it. I feel like the only film that's been made so far is Venom. Now, albeit that's a Tom Hardy vehicle, that Tom Hardy is Venom in this film. And I feel like they were able to probably retrofit the the, the, the origin mm-hmm. with Venom and the symbiote to make sense. And I really feel that all of this is part of a game plan that had to have been approved by Feige and all the people involved in the cinematic Marvel Universe in order to even have this happen it's not like look go ahead and make all your spider-man stuff with our character spider-man while we integrate him into our universe and we know that all the people who love the video games yeah. i.e we're going to get yeah. playstation 4s we're buying them <laughs> we're committing to buying them because we've played that game and it's it's like so I don't, I don't see the disconnect what i do see is people not understanding how that part of the business would work and I, i'm not saying i'm right in any way shape or form i most likely could be wrong. But I feel like that is the way that that kind of fair trade would work. It's like, look, you get to use Spider Man and shepherd that. We get to have Iron Man. Spider Man's part of the Marvel Universe. And then we also get to have Spider Man be part of our Spider Verse. Right. And that is super important to have those scenes with Peter Parker. If Silk is indeed happening, they haven't shown us Spider-Man's origin. This could be a flashback sequence that not only shows Silk's origin but also Peter Parker's that in the same genius. context. Yeah. So let's Six think years about that. Go by and then yeah, her being that's it. how you rock it. You have a flashback scene in Silk. Silk's already in existence when that movie starts, and her flashback involves Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. So there are simple. Easy ways to make all of this seamlessly integrated. I think sometimes as fans, we overthink things and aren't really looking at just the basics. Like, this is a company that made massive screw-ups with their Spider-Man franchise, i.e. witness the amazing Spider-Man 2, you know, electric boogapoo, whatever you want to call (laughs) it. I didn't like that film, and I'm glad that that you know Andrew Garfield's a great actor, and he's moved on to amazing things, and he got to be Spider-Man. We're talking about that. Yeah. yeah. Even... See,
5: congratulations on your Tony Award, yeah, he Spider-Man. Okay. He's a fantastic
3: actor. All the people involved in Spider-Man are fantastic actors. I mean, Jamie Foxx is not going to be spawned. so it's like it's like look, people make chances, they take chances. The Amazing Spider-Man was fun. Amazing Spider-Man Two, not so much. And then we didn't see all those kind of spinoffs and whatnot mm-hmm. it didn't work out. But guess what? Did work out. Marvel's deal with Sony, and then we got. Spider-Man Homecoming. Now we're talking about Far From Home. We're talking about Mysterio. We're talking about stuff that we would have never thought of before even Civil War. Like, what? When we heard Spider-Man is showing up. How is this even possible? When we were back in the day when we were talking about Fantastic Four. That'll never happen. Guess what? What? What's (laughs) happening? I don't even know. The deal's not done yet. $73 trillion later. But we're talking about Spider-Man. Do you think Spider-Man, besides Avengers 4, how will Spider-Man move forward into the future Avengers Five, Six, Seven. What do you think?
5: Um, It would make sense for him to keep, like, it, they they already have a pretty big team, but it would be weird for the Avengers to continue without him. I don't know. I'm doubting that even, even as I say it. Like it much will depend for me on what they do with Tony Stark in the future movies. Um, but now that sort of like Spider Man is going to be at least an adjunct Avenger, if not core team for the future movies. Uh, first of all, he's too good, um, and second of all, like it it's. It's just too much to leave there. Like, they might focus more on other characters. But I would say he's probably permanent Avenger at this point. I don't know. I might eat those words.
2: I think there's going to be a lot of Spider-Man movies, so I think whenever they can incorporate him to the Avengers, I think there's going to be less team-up movies going forward. I think they'll be a little bit more spaced out. They've talked about less event movies, more solo endeavor superhero movies. I also think with them going cosmic, that gives them an opportunity to not necessarily involve Spider-Man. That's my cynical side. My, oh my god, I love Spider-Man side is he's going to be everywhere. They got Tom Holland. They got a great guy to play the character. They got, he's the most visually marketable character. That's why they have this handshake deal. You don't have Spider-Man as an opportunity and not use him. Like, similar like, if you're making an Avengers movie, you've got Spider-Man available, you use Spider-Man. Like, that's, that's what the comics do, that's what the movies are going to do. So I think any opportunity you have to have Spider-Man, they're going to use him. And I think that they're going to go really long form with Tom Holland. I love that they cast him, they put him in a freshman year movie. You can do the Harry Potter thing. You can have them grow up with you. You can have them go to college. You can have them jump in and out of these movies like Tony Stark did. Tony Stark pops up in the Avengers movies, and his own arc is incredible. Cap's the same way. I think that Spider-Man gives Sony and Marvel a unique opportunity to have their cake and eat it, too.
3: Yeah, I really hope that they do that. You know what? Luke Cage Season 2 has premiered, and I got a chance to talk with uh, Simone Missick. She plays Misty. Let's cut to this interview. What do you think, Schnapp? What are you talking about? All right, Schnepp. Thanks. Relax. Hey, what's up? I'm sitting here with Simone Missick. What's up? Hey, nothing much. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. You are amazing as Misty Knight in Luke Cage. And you, you really, you come into your own in season two. Let's talk about Misty's growth in season two.
6: Oh, season two, we see her having lost her arm in the Defenders, and now she's trying to figure out who she is. You know, she was a cop. She's now quit the force or been uh, honorably discharged. And... uh it's such a huge part of her identity. She's really at a loss and it isn't until she runs into some shady character on the streets of Harlem played by my husband, interestingly enough, uh, that she decides that she has to go back and, and finish what she started. Um, And that leads to her being this amputee in a world full of very capable, able cops who were her former friends. And now look at her like she's less than, so she has to fight over that battle and, then she eventually gets the arm.
3: That's right. So she gets yeah. this cool, like, kind of bionic yeah, robot. Yeah, this arm,
6: prosthetic, like, yeah. You're
3: the new Jamie Summers. You know, like, <laughs> I don't know if you're going to get the bionic feet and start, like. But, uh, and you kind of find your inner strength with mm-hmm. some help from some friends, like Colleen. Man,
6: like, right? Yeah. So, uh, what's so interesting about Misty and Colleen's relationship is that they don't really know each other. They've just been through this really traumatic experience together. And,. They both have a sense of um, kindredness, or no, that's not that's not what I was going for. But they have a, a a feeling of connectedness as a result of it. But they're both not certain of who they are at this point. You know, Colleen was a member of the Hand for so many years, and then mm-hmm. she had to kill her um, her mentor Bakudo. And Misty was a cop. Now she doesn't know who she is in that way. And so it's something about having somebody who's in your same position tell you to pick yourself off the floor, up off the floor, and literally missy is getting her butt kicked and colleen looks at her and is like pick yourself up off the floor and uh it's a beautiful moment we finally get to see the daughters of the dragon together right. on screen for the first time which is amazing for the fans and for hint, us
3: spin-off series well
6: are, hint hint right? you love that right yeah like um, I, a lot of like us are yesterday like, yeah
3: heroes for hire and yeah, daughters of the dragon exactly. let's go that's um, what
6: we want um yeah and so yeah it's it's That relationship, you know, and Luke's relationship with Misty that helps her to to get her to get her swagger back.
3: Definitely, and when you guys do kind of team up a little bit in the, you know, if you haven't seen Luke Cage season two, Mm -hmm. get on it. All of the episodes are available. I myself haven't even finished the last four of them. I'm trying to take my time and enjoy it, soak in it. It's a big story, and the great thing about the Marvel Netflix series is they allow you to take time with the story. Each Mm -hmm. individual character has their Mm -hmm. own story arc, and you see them kind of cross over with each other's story arc. So I think that that's a great thing. What is what is it like to be part of the Marvel Netflix family?
6: You know. We love Marvel movies, right? There are these big, beautiful films that after two and a half hours, however many years you've been waiting to see it, it's it's over. With this, you have 13 episodes to explore a character. And like you said, they're all interconnected. You get to find out who these people are. Why is Bushmaster the, the villain that he is? Why right. is Black Mariah, you know, coming from this this? place of pain and anger and Mm -hmm. so vengeful we get to see how these characters develop and it's like being a part of a championship team you know you you did good in the first season now you got to come back and you got to you got to get the ring the second season I feel like we did that
3: most definitely. I, even Shades, everybody gets their flavor. In everybody the, gets them. Yeah, they yeah. do. And it's, and it's really well thought out, well-rounded, especially Bushmaster. It's like, yeah. if anybody had complaints with some of the villains in mm-hmm. season one, specifically the last half of season right, one, which right. everybody knows that. And in mm-hmm. fact, the co the one of the creators, uh, how do you say his name? Chao
6: Hadari Sheo. Coker. Yeah. Coker,
3: right? Yeah. So he, he even addressed that I think by making mm-hmm. this like one big intermeshed story, yeah. not like a part one, part two type mm-hmm. thing. Um, and I, I love the Bushmaster and like the entire thing with his family, the yeah. revenge. It's like definitely, like you said, you got to soak in these episodes, mm-hmm. and and your character gets a lot of a lot of soak time. I get
6: a like, lot of bathtub time. That's right. Yeah. You know, you get to see how Misty's anger and her rage at the system, you know, starts to make her look at the system with different eyes. So you started out season one, very, um, altruistic, very hopeful, very optimistic of this, of, you know, you get the job done, you do the evidence, follow the chain of command and justice is served. And after her partner scarf betrays her and the and the department and she sees Mariah just continue to slip and slide her way through, she's like, Okay, maybe this vigilanteism is something to be is there's something to be said for it. And she starts to take matters into her own hands
3: definitely and i love the time that it takes in fact those flashbacks with that character scarf and like the, the it, it's a good setup and it's not mm-hmm. just like here this happened it's mm-hmm. literally you're seeing the story unfold for right. that character and her decision making even like going up against the police it's not going up against the police it's going up against individuals who've yeah. already been compromised within that structure so yeah. that's why she takes those chances
6: yeah I, you know i think a lot of times Misty in the first season was so, she had such tunnel vision. She was like, I have one goal. If you're in the way, I'm, I'm beating you up, Claire. Right. Or, you know what I mean? It was right. very, she was very blinded, uh, even to the point of not trusting Luke. Mm-hmm. You know, you would think anybody can see that he's a good guy, except for Misty, who has Misty vision, and yet she couldn't see that. And so this season, she's much more evolved in that way. She's much more aware of the gray areas and recognizing that there's no black and white. And she's interested in playing within that in order to get what she needs to see taken care of.
3: Yeah, and she also gets to see her let loose fully. Like, some of that training with Colleen
6: really yeah, came through. Yeah, It's
3: okay to have a metal arm. You find out, you know, literally, like, bam. Like, yeah, you, know?
6: you go, oh, I right. didn't know that you could fly back that far. Okay, How was great. it, like,
3: doing some fight scenes and that kind of choreography?
6: Oh, the the choreography was amazing. We have some great stunt trainers uh, matt mullins and alvin singh were just the top of the top and i was coming from a place of not having done stunts ever mm-hmm. and so they had me in the dojo as we call it hours upon hours for weeks prepping me for that first fight and you know you think okay it's gonna be daughters of dragon she's gonna have her katana i'm gonna have my arm it's gonna be great and then they're like no actually we need you to fight with literally one arm tied behind your back and you go right oh Okay. So it won't look as cool as I thought it was going to look. And yet they drilled it into me so much. And every fight scene, you know, as great as my, my own personal skills are, we also have an amazing stunt double played by Janelle Stevens, who's also a Dora Milaje. Mm. And she is my stunt double. And so the two of us between the two of us, we were able to make Misty look, you know, believable out there kicking butt with this new arm.
3: And thanks to the thousands of sweaties
6: removing the arm from the, the you know, because it's like,
3: literally, I was like, damn, that's pretty good special effects. You know, yeah. I can't tell that there's the, a the fake arm. I know you have got both arms. Yeah. I know that, you know, it's not like they actually removed one of the arms. Oh, seen, it so. felt
6: like it every day that I had to put it on and take it off. It felt like it was being removed. Well, but good,
3: uh, good special effects. The prosthetics yeah. and the computer team, they rocked it too. They did. They Let did. Let me ask you this. Comic books. Were you a fan
6: of comics before you became Misty Knight? The Comic book that i read as a child was Archie that was as deep as it went.
3: So you're deep into Riverdale now. You're like, you know, you watch all, Riverdale, exactly
6: right. right. Jughead but is coming back. I you am know? totally Veronica. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like that was that was me. That was me.
3: I, a lot of people keep telling me to give Riverdale a chance. I will eventually. There's too many shows I gotta watch like the rest of Luke Cage, so I don't you know. There are
6: so it's too many much shows. It's yeah. too much. You've got all of the shows within the Marvel Universe on Netflix. There's so many people who are like, Wait, you lost your arm? And then there's like a chain of comments underneath that comment that says, Yeah, you gotta go back, you gotta watch the Defenders. And then you'll have to catch up with Iron Fist and right. to understand this, and it's all connected. There are so many shows. You don't. It's, I give you a pass for not watching Riverdale.
3: It's hard to catch up. Like so, outside of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, what mm-hmm. else are you working on?
6: So I just uh, finished an off-Broadway play. Nice, um, thank you. Uh, and I just did a film that won at South by Southwest and at abff uh for best narrative called "Jen," that i'm also a co-producer on so that'll be coming out soon well, and
3: what channel is that with or is that so theatrical?
6: It, it's it's a movie right. and uh they just sold it they haven't announced to whom yet i know i will not give that sequel. all right um but it will be uh premiering shortly in the next few months and then i go back to i did iron fist season two
3: Sweet, That's awesome to hear. So yeah. there's a little bit more of the daughters of the dragon little that we should be expecting. That's exciting. And it's gin, not like gin, like a weird genie, J I N N. I'm sure it's it gin, like G I N.
6: No, it's J I N N. Damn. So Absolutely. I was wrong. I was
3: immediately being like, can't be sweaty nerd stuff. It must no, be. No,
6: it most certainly is all right. because that comes from, uh, Islam, which means like a spirit being. So right. it's all about that. Well, yeah. all right.
3: Well now we just set that straight. So look it up, get sweaty <laughs> about J I N N. So, you know, yes. that's coming. Yes. Um, let me ask you this, uh, What's what are what are your future goals outside of the Marvel Cinematic Universe? What is it you see yourself doing in the, the next five?
6: You know, I am writing and I'm producing my own stuff, and so I'd love to see myself be able to give other people opportunities. It took 10 years for me to book Luke Cage, which is the largest and biggest role I've ever had, and I know how life-changing that was for me to do that for someone else. And to give people jobs and to tell stories that I want to tell. That's absolutely what I want to do. And then I would love to just be in a big old beautiful comedy. Right on. Give me bridesmaids part three or something like that. I would be living my whole life.
3: Definitely. Uh, I see you. you have those skills to do all those things. I think like four years ago, could you have been like, damn, I'm going to be doing this in four years. Like when you jump in time ahead,
6: never in a million years did I think I would be playing Missy Knight and find out that she was the first black female superhero ever created like ever put to paper
3: that's right and congratulations for having that title
6: thank you thank you you know when i was a kid i loved gina davis in the long kiss goodnight oh, yeah. i was like Great. that role is amazing but i never saw anybody who looked like me in a role like that, and you barely saw other women in roles like that. It was so, it was like once every five, ten years, you had like Angelina Jolie and Tomb Raider, and Angelina Jolie and Mr. and Mrs. Smith, but you never saw like this variation of actresses kicking butt and taking names, and so to be able to be in this position. It's like my childhood dreams and being the front true.
3: runner on that as well. Congratulations for bringing Thank that you. to the front Thank and you. let's see more of this. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing more, especially with iron fist two. I want yeah. to see the daughters of the dragon fully represent on that. So I can't wait. i also have at least four more episodes to enjoy you in yes. for Luke Cage yes. season two. If you don't have Netflix, I don't know what's wrong with you. I think the everyone first on the planet 30
6: days are free. Right. Yes. Just get
3: the Netflix thing. Just I'm not the paid the by Netflix. Days. I pay for Netflix. It's something different, right. but right. look, Everybody gets Netflix. So definitely check out Luke Cage season two and soak in it. Enjoy it. It's not something that you got to rock through. I know some people need to binge stuff. Yeah. I got a lot of seasons I never finish because it's like, that's the world we live in. We're like, I can't keep up. Yeah. I barely finished Westworld. You know, it's oh, like the middle I, of that was a little hey. I still but, did. You know, I'd say watch the last three episodes. They're okay. pretty awesome. That's so good. I'm just saying like there's certain things that you could skip. Do not skip Luke Cage season two. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on the show, Simone. Thank hey, you. back to you, Schnepp. Get with it. <laughs> Right on, thanks, Janep. So, you know, we got a chance to talk <laughs> with Simone Missick, and I mean, she- what, what a fantastic role that she has. And season two is really getting a chance to get into her character in ways that you normally wouldn't be able to. We talked about this previously on, on, a couple days ago where you can't really expand into these characters like as in the comic books. Yeah. That's the chance that Netflix is really getting. You get to soak in these characters and see, their, see them slowly evolve into the dragons <laughs> that they can be using their chi. Don't forget to listen to Podcast One. Subscribe to it for Collider Heroes. You listen to us in your car. Don't get into an accident if you get too sweaty, pull over if you're getting too excited. You don't want to be driving and getting sweaty while we're talking about all this amazing stuff. Um, We're also going to be in Las Vegas in literally two days. Koi's going to be joining us. we got Marquia joining us. Unfortunately, Amy's not going to be able to make it. She will be there in presence. Take pictures for me. And we're going to have a poster of her that we're going to have her pre-signed so you can get these posters of all the heroes. So definitely, we're going to do a panel on Friday at 6 p.m. So definitely, if you're in Las Vegas or in the surrounding area and driving in, Get there Friday at 6 o'clock. Come sweat it out with us. We're doing a fun panel. They'll be signing stuff at our booth. We have a giant Collider booth where you can also get some of those cool T-shirts and a bunch of other crazy stuff. You can pick up the film The Death of Superman Lives, What Happened that I made. You can pick up some of my Slayer comics. A whole bunch of stuff will be at that Collider booth. So definitely check it out. Um, Let's get right into some Twitter questions. Let's rock and roll. Number one, we got Taco Shack 27 asking, Do you think the reveal of Spider-Gwen in the Into the Spider-Verse trailer was a good move? Or should they have left it? for the movie, like instead of just revealing that they have Spider-Gwen, I'll I'll start this off. I thought it was fantastic because I (laughs) didn't see it coming. It came out of left field. I was so happy with that trailer because we had the little teaser where our minds were blown by the animation. We're like, this looks fantastic. The actual trailer, you get into the story. And, boy, it just looks amazing. It feels like I'm watching a comic book. And it felt so cool to see that slightly older Spider-Man, Peter Parker, kind of schooling. Miles, yeah. And then to see the introduction of all these other characters, the Prowler. We got a bunch of different characters. And then Spider-Man comes out of nowhere, and you're like, <laughs> what? I loved it. That was like the icing on the cake for me. What do you think, Amy?
5: It's interesting because I'm almost always pro being surprised, uh, but in this case, the inclusion of Spider-Gwen was the big tip-off for those of us who know the source material of what movie we're getting. Um it because essentially it was like okay do we have two versions of Spider-People who are meeting and it's like oh no we're doing we're doing Spider-Verse a version of Spider-Verse uh probably very different but uh and so in that sense because it was sort of an important plot flag in that way while I would have loved I love to find everything out for the first time in the theater I get putting this in the trailer because it's very exciting um Tiny nitpick. Nobody lands in point shoes. That's ridiculous. (laughs) Um, But she looks cool as heck. She's one of the all-time great character designs. Um, She's a wonderful character. I'm very excited to get her, and I don't mind knowing now.
2: What do you think, Corey? Exact same boat. Uh, I usually like trailers to tell me nothing. I I, I want Avengers 4 to have zero trailers. I want to know nothing. But this one was, it did two things. It told us the comic story, which one they were following, how in-depth it was going to be. But it also gives, like... Spider-Gwen is so important for little girls. Like, I love the amount of little girls that have Spider-Gwen hoodies, and like, how many like little girls read Spider-Gwen, and like, what that character's done for the Spider-Verse is it's like, hey, we all love Spider-Man, but look at Spider-Gwen! And like, I really think that's important so that little girls can go like, I wanna see that one! And every time everyone gets to look at a character that looks like them and go see the movie, I'm happy. So if that's the cost of knowing she's in it, that is well worth it tenfold. So a bunch of little girls are wanting to see Spider-Verse now, and like, it's already got miles, which everyone's excited about, and Parker is the Spider-Man of, of of old and then it's just the trailer's so perfect and we're going to have so many more surprises like that movie's going to be chock full of like I guarantee we're going to get British punk rock Spider-Man mm. we're going to get Spider-Man <laughs> noir I hope we get black suit Spider-Man there's going to be Silk might be in it Silk might be in it yeah. so all the surprises that are coming it's worth giving us the one reveal of Spider-Man because of what it represents to like little kids yeah I think of it was a, an important reveal
5: for your recommended reading uh, if you are diving into this stuff I very much doubt they will follow it one to one but there was a literal story called Spider-Verse and In making that story, they made up a bunch of new, interesting, alternate Spider characters. They collected them in a series of one-shots called Edge of Spider-Verse. And you've probably heard that before because it's the first appearance of Mm Spider-Gwen, who was just supposed to be a one-off, isn't this fun idea, and then everyone was like, give us more or we will riot. (laughs) Uh, But if you are curious what else they might used for that there's four other issues of edge of spider-verse with other versions of spider-man or or other spider people um and a whole storyline full of this stuff for your browsing pleasure okay sounds fantastic over all
3: right (laughs) next question heston roberts asked do you think aquaman should move its release date due to its crowded opening weekend so now it's coming out i believe december 21st um that's a christmas movie Hey look, you know, we're all going to get a chance to see the Aquaman trailer like literally the weekend of San Diego Comic-Con. My guess is all the sweaties who are at the Comic-Con are going to get a chance to see it. Then they're going to drop it online. Mm-hmm. We pro- everyone else will probably have to wait for that Shazam and Wonder Woman flavor for a few more months. But that Aquaman trailer, everyone on the planet Earth is going to get a chance to see that in July. So that's an easy couple months before December. I think that's a perfect time for people to make those decisions after they see that trailer, whether they want to see it or not. I already know I want to see it. I just wait, can't wait to see this trailer to get a little taste of some of that action. So what do you think? I mean, do you think they should move it?
5: Um I think that date is good. I I cannot off the top of my head. I meant to look this up. Remember what it's opening against? Well, Mary
3: Poppins is mm. one of the bigger ones. <laughs> so a bunch of there's a bunch of big movies that are are opening up against it. Yeah. But I mean, it feels like, you know, that's kind of there is no Star Wars movie this year. Mm-hmm. So it's like they don't have to worry about that. So I feel like it's kind of open.
5: And it so it feels like it should have been a summer movie on a lot of levels, but if there's if they do this like kind of uh, Adventure on the Seas thing, there's a chance that it slides into that old Lord of the Rings fantasy universe, see it with your family slot, mm-hmm. right. um, which would be a fantastic place to land if you can pull it off. Um, so, yeah, it could what work. Do you think? I
2: was thinking back in the day, we had we had Lord of the Rings and then we had Harry Potter, and we right now we don't have the, I mean, Star Wars, when it opens every other year, but we don't have that consistent, here's our big family movie movie. Mary Poppins is uh, skewing a bit younger. Like, I'm excited for Mary Poppins, but, you know, as far as the demographic <laughs> sure. it's looking at. Yeah. So, I think there's an opportunity for all of these movies to do well. You have two weeks off for Christmas. You have a lot of time with your family. I know a lot of people go to the actual theater on Christmas Day. Right. I think it's great that DC has such confidence in Aquaman. They can be like, no, Christmas is ours with their trident. Just like yeah. slam it down. So I want it to be Christmas. I want it to be that big tent pole that is a family adventure. I want it to be Indiana Jones Under the Sea because yeah. I want to see it with my family. So Christmas is perfect.
3: Underwater friends, here we come. Daniel Kelly, why do you think Warner Brothers hasn't turned to Greg Berlanti to be the Kevin Feige for the DCFU? He's killing it. With the DCCW universe, what do you think? Um, hey, look, I think he's already running like sixteen yeah. shows. Give the yeah. man a break. It's like easy. Like you know what? I mean, I think it's cool. That he, he had his hand in with the Green Lantern movie. I think it's great that Jeff Johns is running the new Grand, Green Lantern core movie. I like what Greg Berlanti is doing on television. He's running a bunch of stuff. The one thing he's up for to do cinematically is Booster Gold, like kind of a documentary style, found footagey type of like first person thing. I'd love to see that. What do you think? Greg Berlanti? stay or go in the DC I universe. I mean,
5: if he wanted to move over and take over the films, I think that there would probably be a lot of good reasons to say yes to that. But I think the short answer is he's busy. He's busy being <laughs> right? the Kevin Feige of DC TV.
2: If it ain't broke, don't fix it. I think their shows are doing well under his watch. I don't think they should lose that. I also think that running shows like show running and show Bibles are very different than movies. Mm. So to restart in the film world would be like going back five years and then starting your thing so even if he moved over today I don't think we'd see his fingerprints right. for another five years so I think that would cost TV too much so I like him staying there because he's earned that he's made this world and he respectfully And you'd be like, wasting
5: some of his talent yeah. for serialized fiction yes.
3: He just signed like a giant like $400 million contract to keep him around for another like four or five years and he's worth every penny of it. He's running 16 shows. If they were (laughs) like here, why don't you just be in charge of these two movies? No, I think what they're doing right now and what he's doing is perfect for what DC is doing. Let's go on. These violent delights have violent ends. asks (laughs) Fox has accepted Disney's offer according to several sources. So now what would be the best and worst way to introduce the X-Men into the MCU? Well, I I'm a big fan of the secret wars. We've talked about this. Mm -hmm. There's gotta be some kind of an event, whether or not it's the after-dusting event where everything's different and everything's the same, um, that could very well be what the reshoots that Avengers 4 will be all about, is like reintegrating what's old is new again and what's changed is different, and then there's different things in this new universe that we're in. What do you think?
5: So interestingly, I think the integrating them as if they already existed somewhere else is not my first choice for right. the X-Men. I want I want fresh start start from zero. I mean y'all know I I don't have origin fatigue so right. I can watch that over and over again. Um I so that's my preferred way to introduce them is a start from scratch new set of X-Men. I would not want to see something that is sort of rushed and cobbled together because we have to live with this continuity going forward and I want them to take their time and use care in doing it. So that's my, my preference. What do
2: you think, Coy? I think starting from scratch is the only way. I think that you can't, we've already had a soft reboot with James McAvoy versus Charles Xavier's uh, Patrick Stewart. We've already seen that too recently. If you have another kind of in-universe, out-of-universe thing, it's, I mean, even Deadpool makes fun of how convoluted it is. So I think Deadpool... Granted,
5: that's very X-Men. Yeah, it's but... very X-Men. And,
2: and X-Men continuity has been a problem since <laughs> (laughs) 1960 whatever year it started like x-men continuity is a problem i think deadpool is the good place to start i think they've introduced a new colossus i think going at those characters as they are but that's tricky because they already had that weird cameo that it's hard so i think if you're going to start mcu x-men don't tie it to anything and then uh basically utilize the idea that uh i love the house of M in reverse thing i said it on a screen junkies movie fight like four years ago and a lot of other people have said it on the internet i don't want to take full credit but Scarlet Witch is a miracle child, right? So they keep saying, like, miracle. They can't say the word mutants. What if everything goes wrong? Vision's dead. There's a giant fight. Everything's under duress. And instead of saying no more mutants, she says mutants for the first time. Her reality powers wrap around the world, and the X-Gene is activated. And for the first time in reality, the X-Gene exists in the MCU because of a character that's already been established. We've seen how much power she has. And then literally X-Men rise up from this moment. And that gives us our, our actual action comic moment where it feels like the end of an annual, it feels like the end of a miniseries, and then the MCU's forever changed in canon using Scarlet Witch. Well, I feel like it's
3: an even easier way than that. That's almost like the magic button kind of way to do yeah. it. The other way to do it is it's already existed and no one's noticed it yet. Yeah. So I feel like by introducing Reed Richards and introducing that kind of mutation anomaly, he could also have files on all of these other great. people. Like Tony Stark could also have files on all these mutations. S.H.I.E.L.D. could also have files on everyone like they had, Doctor. Strange. Remember they had mm. Stephen Strange? They could also have files on all of the known X-Men, like Charles Xavier. Mm-hmm. So I feel like by already establishing that the X-Men exist in the Marvel Universe, but then having their origin take place now, we could go with the original five X-Men, just that. have it take place in 2019. We don't have to go to the 60s. Let's do three more, and then we could rock it out. Alright, beautiful. So, Jer, uh, Jade asks, I, hear, I heard Marvel, we're talking about doing a, Mo- a, Mobius, a Morbius movie. Do you ever think we'll see vampires and Blade in the MCU? And could we ever see a crossover into the Spider-Man movies? Love you guys. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Roca says yes. I agree with Roca. I want to say, I know they're doing a Morbius. That's one we didn't cover. Yeah. Morbius yeah, standalone film. Yeah, there's so many that are like, oh, that's right. That does tie into Spider-Man. Will Peter Parker be in that? Who knows? I mean, I'd see Blade showing up in a Morbius yeah. movie before I'd even see Spider-Man. I'd love to see that. What do you think?
5: I mean, I I, I certainly think that that is going to happen. I don't know if it'll be on the Marvel TV side, on the MCU side, or on the Sony side. But, like, the door is open to the supernatural now. Those characters are coming.
2: What do you think? Spider-Man has been beautifully basing its world on science lately. Uh, I really like that Spider-Man Homecoming was all about praising intelligence, and I really think that's important for kids to look up to heroes that are smart. Uh, I've loved that Tony Stark is a rock star of brilliance, so I think the idea of having a vampire that got that way because of a genetic alteration that he did to himself, playing with the mad scientist thing, but encouraging intelligence, having kids like, look up to a character that is smart is fun, and I think that ties into Spider-Man beautifully. I think it ties into The Midnight Suns if they go that way on Netflix beautifully. I think this character can exist in so many different places. It would make sense to have spider-man crossover into a ghost rider or blade-esque world or into the science like morbius is this amazing venn diagram of yeah. yes so there's no reason not to
3: i would love to see that all right this question is about me but i'm going to flip it and say coy and amy if coy and amy were cast in the DCU, <laughs> which character question, which That's character the that they must be known not an extra would would they most likely be cast as well amy would be squirrel girl right okay, off I'll the bat it. And I'd be casting you as a young Matt Murdoch.
2: Yeah! I'll take
3: it. Now, who would I play? I love that. Uh, in DC or MCU? DC, oh, geez, I, I ruined it by going Marvel. I was like, um, both of those, I'm like, what? Yeah, well, me? well, I'd say Zatanna.
5: Ooh, yes.
2: Or Batwoman. I mean, sure. Yeah. yeah. Oh, And for you, I would say Nightwing. Ooh, I'll take it. I was thinking Booster Gold for me, but I'll take Nightwing no, you'd be all Nightwing. day. Right on.
3: <laughs> all right, DCU. tell me who it okay. would be.
2: Uh, I definitely see, like, Mr. Freeze is, is popping to mind because I I'm, like the head under the bubble I'm and, like, the that. puns. I, I'm a big fan of, like, Schneppy puns.
3: Freeze. Not as bad as Arnold. But,
2: uh, <laughs> is it he-
5: weird? Like, I think you'd be a great Dr. Midnight.
3: Ooh, I love Dr. Midnight. All right, I'll take both of those. Let's get into the sweaty question of the week. It comes from Jacob W. Lockett, and he asks, Marcus and McFeely recently revealed that while planning Avengers 3, they wanted to include MODOK in the film. If it had happened, do you think he would have helped the movie or hurt it? He would have been quite tricky to realize, in my opinion. Well, Avengers 3 was jam-packed mm-hmm. with a lot of stuff, including dusting, which is a lot of crying involved, a lot of stuff. Thanos... That gauntlet alone was, like, heavy enough to carry the entire movie. We didn't need any other villains. I feel like MODOK and a lot of these other villains that they could and will probably introduce later, Kang, there's so many other amazing Avengers enemies to deal with when you're not dealing with the end of the known, of half of the (laughs) end of the known universe. So I feel like including MODOK in Avengers... would almost be a disservice to that character unless he was used as some part of like S.H.I.E.L.D. supercomputer. Like we have this anomaly that we keep, you know, like he's like part of like, he's like this super brain, literally. Um, I think they could do it and they could do it right. What are you thinking?
5: I think obviously it would be difficult to realize, uh, but I think Marvel can do it. I, I think it makes sense that he wasn't in Avengers 3 because he's from a different area of the world. He ties in with AIM. He ties in with S.H.I.E.L.D. He ties in with sort of institutional and experimental stuff which is a different thematic and sort of like genre than the, like, cosmic threat coming to use reality-altering stones. And right. so it makes sense to me that those would not intersect, but I do think they could pull it off if they decided to.
2: I think the MCU has surprised us before those surprises again. I think that Fantastic Four would be a good place for, maybe not, like, as the big bad, but as far as, like, tech on a and things going this direction, and I agree, it's an institutional thing, so I think going with more grounded characters and it being the anomaly, not the world is crazy and it's normal. Like, there was a giant dwarf making, like, you know, Stormbreaker. That's out- there. Yeah. I, I think M.O.D.O.C. doesn't belong in the same realm. Like That movie's already enough out. You need to be in for totally. that Totally. I
3: agree. So M.O.D.O.C. can work. Get on it, Marcus and McFeely. We want to see M.O.D.O.C. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> so anyway, that's been our show. I want to thank Coy and Amy. Definitely come to the Las Vegas Comic Con. It's happening in two days. We'll see you there.
1: Napa Know How Get all the quality parts you need at your locally owned Napa.